From CBS News Bay Area, this is the Evening Edition. Live from the CBS studios in San Francisco, I'm Brian Hack. And I'm Andrea Nakano. We begin with the new developments in the Oakland ransomware attack. The city confirms some of the stolen information from the city's computer network has been released. The city says computer hackers breached the city network in early February and have been holding these stolen files hostage for almost a month. Dahlin reports on what kind of information may have been stolen and what Oakland is doing about it. Some city services are back. People can now pay parking citations online. They can also call 311 to report downed trees and other issues. But many other city phone lines and the website to pay business taxes are still down. We try to go on there and pay our taxes, and now we have to wait to pay our taxes. This restaurant owner says it's not a bad thing to hold on to her money a little longer, but it is an inconvenience to keep checking with the city to see when she can pay to avoid late fees. Especially a small business owner, we have a lot on our plate and a lot of things that we have to maneuver through, and then let alone we have to maneuver through this what's going on. The Oakland business tax due date was on March 1st. It's been extended to April 17th since the website doesn't work. The first Native American restaurant here in Oakland. Crystal Wapipa opened Wapipa's kitchen in the Fruitvale Village more than a year ago. Trouble paying taxes. This is exactly why municipalities are targeted. Because they run so many critical services. And once again, they're trying to put as much pain on the victims as possible to get them to pay. Davis Hick is a cybersecurity expert who lives in Oakland. He worked for the U.S. government and is a co-founder of Resilience, a company that provides cyber insurance and works with companies to prevent ransomware attacks. He is not working with Oakland on this case, but he knows about the group that claims responsibility for the attack. The group is called Play. Play specifically has been one of the most active groups this year. They employ a tactic called big game hunting, and this is where they specifically go after large, high-profile targets that may have lots of resources for them to try and extort. And it's interesting because a lot of tools they use actually link them to other ransomware groups that have conducted attacks around the world. So it's really not surprising to see them target a municipality like Oakland. The city of Oakland says it's still investigating what data was stolen from its computer network and what's been released. But they've asked city workers to monitor their bank statements and credit cards. If they have uh, information on the city, that includes all employees and all of us and anyone that's done any transactions with the city. Councilman Noel Gallo says the city is working with the FBI and cybersecurity experts to resolve the issue. He would not say how much money the hackers are demanding from the city, but admits it's in the millions. We have enough challenges, but with this one, it impacts all of us. And uh, sadly enough, if, if money's going to be involved, then it's going to be our taxpayer dollars that cover the cost. As for Crystal, she hopes the city will learn from this and do a better job of securing people's information. Even to be tripled secured. <laughs> the attack happened almost a month ago. The city still doesn't know how much more time it'll take to restore all city services. Oakland says it will notify anyone whose personal information is involved once they get to the bottom of the situation. Well, cold, wet and windy weather was back this morning as another storm headed into California. That's what it looked like in the East Bay. One Walnut Creek resident said she even heard a little thunder bumper as the rain kept coming down. 
And there go the snow plows working hard up in the North Bay. Caltrans crews in Napa County cleared snow along 29 in the hills above Calistoga. Folks said it was coming down pretty hard just after 10 o'clock this morning. I've heard of snow like this um, happening up here before, but that's way up at the peak. Um, but I have never heard, I've never seen snow this low in elevation. Snow is expected to keep falling up top through tomorrow afternoon. And more headaches for drivers trying to get to Tahoe tonight. Heavy snowfall forced Caltrans to shut down Highway 80 between Colfax and the state line. They say icy roads caused several cars to spin out earlier this afternoon. And here's a better look at the amount of snow. This is along Highway 89. On the right of your screen, you'll see a sign almost completely buried in the snow. To the top, that's about 10 feet. Officials also warn winds are high this evening in the area. And since we're taking a tour of the Sierra, Here's what it looked like at Palisades Tahoe Resort. Ski runs and lifts had to be closed because they're just getting too much snow. Officials say they've seen over 38 inches in just a few days. As for back in the Bay Area, time for a check on what's next. Here's meteorologist Darren Peck. Another storm coming in at about midnight tonight that's going to do all of this all over again. So it's going to be active for the next few days. Uh, the snow is still falling in the Sierra. If we come for a closer look at home, there's still scattered showers from the system that came through this morning. In fact, here's a little band that's about to move across Sonoma and Marin. You'll notice a few showers pick up here up and down 101 and certainly through the hills of Marin. And it's been kind of flurrying above about, say, 2,000 feet on Mount Diablo. But we need to change our focus and look out here. We're going to switch from live first alert Doppler, put the satellite on it. Now you can see it. Look how close that is. That's the next storm. We'll put that into the future cast. There's the leading edge with the cold front. We're going to just look at this on the big picture first. The main events tomorrow morning in the pre-dawn hours when the cold front comes through, another line of potential thunderstorms and brief heavy rain. But after that, and we're going to look at that in more detail in the complete first alert forecast, I just want you to see what the next three days looks like. What's the last week and a half looked like? Cold air filtering into Northern California, scattered showers. There's a chance of rain on every day until we get to Thursday. But the details matter. We'll go over all of those coming up in the complete forecast in just a few minutes, guys. Back to you. Alrighty, thanks, Darren. Snow has buried parts of Southern California as well. Families in the San Bernardino Mountains have several feet on their roofs. So much so that it could cause them to collapse. And one woman said that she had to dig herself out of her own home. Now she's frustrated because she can't get back. We want to get home. They should let us up there. We actually bought a lot of groceries yesterday. Uh, even a restaurant asked us for, for stuff. We have tons of food that had to go to waste because we had nowhere to store it. They need food. Some ladies need diapers. Some, some people need medicine. Some people are, cannot, uh, cannot get their insulin on time. The pharmacies are closed. Well, city crews say that residents at the Cedar Pines Park neighborhood will not be allowed in for another five days. We're learning more about the moments leading up to the stabbing that killed a high school student in Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa police say two different groups were fighting outside an art classroom at Montgomery High School. The two 16-year-old stabbing victims were in one group. The 15-year-old freshman suspect was in the other. Police say the two 16-year-olds then followed the freshman into the art class. That's when a fight continued and the freshman stabbed both of them, police say. They still don't know what led up to the initial fight. Family and friends have been visiting the memorial at Montgomery High for the 16-year-old. Chaplains are also there to comfort those that are 
there to mourn the death of Jaden Pienta. Now, earlier on Friday, Santa Rosa students took to the streets in protest, saying they don't feel safe going to school. Before they marched, Maria Carrillo High School students rallied on campus to demand better security and communication from administrators. Among those who came to speak at the rally was Olivia Cruz, a junior from Montgomery High. She was Jaden's best friend and witnessed the aftermath of the stabbing. These three young boys had a history. The school knew about it. All, both two parents called the school multiple times about all like their whole beef and all their drama and nothing was done. The school district would not comment on what they knew or what intervention was done before the stabbing. Montgomery High will reopen on Monday, but students plan to stage a walkout. The Bay Bridge lights display is set to go dark tomorrow. After a decade, the lights were first unveiled in 2013 to celebrate the bridge's 75th birthday. The founder of the iconic art installation told SF Examiner that the lights will not be gone forever, but instead it's on a hiatus and it'll need financial support to continue. State health leaders are ending mask requirements in health care and other indoor settings next month, and not everybody's happy about it. This all comes after three years of COVID restrictions. Kelsey Thorne spoke to an infectious disease specialist about the changes ahead. Beginning next month, masks will no longer be required in hospitals and other health care settings. The Department of Public Health made the announcement Friday. Dr. Peter Chin Hong with UCSF Medical Center told me he was surprised by the announcement. Surprised not because I don't think we're in the right time, just surprised because we've been doing this for so long that it's just going to be a change. And actually, the more I thought about it, it's going to be a welcome surprise. I think I'd like to see my colleagues' faces. Uh, I'd like to see my patients' faces. In addition to lifting the mask requirement, the Department of Public Health said at the same time, it will also be lifting the vaccine requirement for healthcare workers. Dr. Chin Hong told me he believes most hospitals will implement these changes gradually. And even after that, he expects to still see mask wearing in high risk areas. There'll be still some areas in the hospital with critically ill patients where people will be wearing masks, but it probably in the you know, less secure or uh, worrisome areas like the cafeteria or, you know, lining up to the front desk, uh, there'll be less checking of things. But not everyone is on board with these changes. The California Nurses Association released this response to the department's announcement, condemning it, saying they believe the changes will endanger the health and safety of healthcare workers hurt their ability to access masks at work and ultimately worsen staffing issues. Dr. Chin Hong told me he believes many hospitals will choose whether or not to implement the changes based on their own specific COVID exposure rates. He also said he wouldn't be surprised if the Department of Public Health's rules change again in the future. I think the one thing that we do have to remember is that we need to be uh, continue to have continued flexibility about and humility about what this virus is. And if numbers go back up and there's some new variant in town, uh, things may change. Yeah, let's hope not. The new rules take effect April 3rd. Sutter Health today responded to the lifting of the state mask mandate. It is now evaluating its policies and will post new guidelines on its website.
And a reminder that Contra Costa County is still offering free COVID testing, vaccines, and treatment. You can get in-person care at 10 county health centers and around-the-clock emergency care at the regional medical center. Thing on the table as an observation. California's so reparations task force is holding its second day of meetings about compensating black people harmed by discrimination. The panel is considering direct payments along with investments in things like education and home ownership. One tough question they do have to answer. How to determine exactly who is eligible. They're expected to deliver a recommendation by July. A state lawmaker from San Francisco may be eyeing a key congressional office. State Senator Scott Weiner has formed an exploratory committee to run for Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi if the former House Speaker decides not to seek another term next year. Pelosi has held the San Francisco House seat since 1987. Wiener issued a statement about Pelosi saying, in part, I am and will continue to be grateful to have her as my representative in Congress for as long as she is willing to serve. The White House says that President Biden's doctors removed a cancerous skin lesion during a routine physical last month. Wendy Gillette spoke with an expert who says it's not a sign of any deeper health concerns. President Biden left for Delaware shortly before the White House released a memo from his doctor that says a cancerous lesion was removed from the president's chest. The lesion is a basal cell carcinoma, a common form of skin cancer, which does not spread like other more serious types of the disease. Basal cell carcinomas don't invade, but they classically grow and they can cause local problems. Hence the need to remove them. He's CBS News medical contributor Dr. David Agus says there will likely be more lesions during President Biden's life. But his doctor says this one was successfully removed and the 80-year-old president does not need any further treatment. It healed nicely, so they normally will cut it out and make sure they have clean margins under the uh, microscope. And then he just needs to be follow-up at a regular occasion. First Lady Jill Biden had two basal cell lesions removed in January. I am so lucky that they caught it, they removed it, and, um, and I'm healthy. This type of skin cancer is from sun exposure. The risk factor for skin cancer is just being very pale, and he is very pale. Um, he did, admittedly, have a lot of time in the sun when he was younger, and those are the biggest risk factors right there. Around 3.5 million Americans are diagnosed with skin cancer every year. In other news, spiritual leader and political activist Marianne Williamson announced that she's going to run for the presidency in 2024 for the Democratic nomination. The 70-year-old is the first Democratic candidate to enter the race, launching a campaign ahead of President Biden. So far, Mr. Biden has not said if he will run for re-election next year. Former president and 2024 presidential candidate Donald Trump spoke at today's CPAC conference in Maryland. He argued in his keynote address that any GOP option that's not him represents an establishment, quote, we're never going back to. Trump also referred to his 2024 run as the final battle. The conference took a straw poll of potential 2024 candidates. Trump won in a landslide with 62 percent of the vote. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was second in the straw poll with just 20 percent. But DeSantis has yet to announce that he's even running. But he is gearing up for a trip to California. DeSantis is scheduled to speak at the Reagan Library in Ventura County tomorrow talking about his new book. Vice President Kamala Harris back in the Bay Area yesterday to pick up money in fundraisers and then 
led a roundtable conversation with AAPI small business owners and local leaders. She said the administration is spending billions of taxpayer dollars for those communities. A fun cultural festival in Fremont today. Dozens of people in the Hindu American community came out for the annual Holi celebration. It's all to celebrate the arrival of spring. That's also known the Festival of Colors. This Festival of Colors is the most festive festival where everybody gets rid of their inhibitions and they get into the festive mood. It's like going to Hawaii, get into the vacation mood. And as you can see, today's event included a colorful powder paint fight. Uh, more celebration in San Francisco for American Tulip Day. Did you know it was that? 80,000 tulips took over Union Square this afternoon, and plenty of people showed up to build a free bouquet of their own, or maybe for a special someone. The rain didn't stop hundreds of Special Olympic athletes from taking part in the Polar Plunge in San Francisco. The morning started with a 5K and 10K along Christie Field. The family event included walkers, runners, strollers, and even pets, with the day ending with the Polar Plunge. Building inclusive communities throughout Northern California, empowering people with intellectual disabilities, and bringing people both with and without intellectual disabilities together and, and creating these genuine relationships. Participants raised $125 each. The proceeds go towards local Special Olympic programs. Snowmobilers in Idaho lucky enough to see a moose, but that luck quickly turned on them because so did the moose. The moose ended up charging at one of these snowmobilers when the animal started to feel like a snowmobile was not in his evolutionary history. <laughs> There was a bit of a stare down before the moose ran off. Yeah, nobody was hurt. Well, I don't know if the moose was hurt, but looking back, those guys said that it could have ended badly, but apparently it didn't. What we should have done is when the moose got in trail, we should have, he was going to charge, it, the moose was going to charge us no matter what. So once it was a false charge, we should have gotten our sleds turned around, and then my brother should have given it more space and just given it space to do its thing. It just happened really fast. Yeah, what a shoulda, coulda. And also, it's important to remember to give wild animals room the next time you run into a moose. Appreciate your watching. We'll see you back here at 11. Until then, the news continues streaming on CBS News Bay Area. Good night.